0: Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast Season 4 with your host Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being in a Efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is is a lifestyle and those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time you already know what i'm saying is true so if that sounds interesting to you enjoy the show out this is my mck there are many like them but this one is mine oh dude get it right this is my mck there are many like it but this one is mine if you've got a firearm sitting around, a pistol that you are not doing anything with, get an MCK, they make them for every single model. If you want a micro conversion kit that will turn your handgun into a force multiplier, get one, man. They are ultra affordable. CAA MCK micro conversion kits are the changing the game, y'all. So if you don't have one, you need to get one. Get one, your women, children, people that are less physically potent will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. You will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. I wanna get one of these into the hands of a 100,000 more protectors this year because ultimately we are only as good as the things, the nation is only as good as its protection. Your home is only as safe and as good as your ability to protect it. MCK, go get one, drop your handgun in, take it to the next level, out. Boom, boom, what's going on, you guys? Good morning, good morning, good day. We've got another episode coming at you. This one's gonna be, they're all special, but I'm, I'm so excited every time. Because we The people we get to talk to, <laughs> the people we get to talk to in this podcast and interact with, it's just such an honor. So today's guest, we've got a retired Lieutenant Colonel, Mikey Hartman, the CEO of CAA. How you doing, sir? How's it going? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Outstanding. It is definitely an honor. So just a little back, just for you guys listening, as you've been noticing in my content, I've been wielding this pretty impressive, you could call it kind of like a weapon system, a really impressive accessory to a handgun. Which I'm really excited about, it's a force multiplier, whether you're a professional protector or you're a civilian protector. This is something I really want to get in the hands of everybody who is serious about personal protection. So, you know, I'm walking through SHOT Show. I'm looking for brands and equipment for us to join forces with. Um, Aaron Suzo, who you guys saw on the last on the last episode, calls me over, shows me this new system. I'm s- totally stoked about it. So we have joined forces with CAA over the MCK platform. And um, I I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. So we've got the CEO of the company here, Mikey Hartman, but it's so much more than that. You know, his experience and his background is tremendous. IDF training over 500,000 uh, soldiers over there. And as you guys know, with the IDF, you know, it's it's These guys are out there doing it. So we're gonna bring a whole lot of real world experience, master sniper um, and and so many other things and publications he's been in. Um, He's he's definitely a man that's uh, experienced in the field of combat, real world combat but also a man that's done considerable work for the tactical community. And then now, you know, as the CEO of this company, um, you know, this is pretty awesome. So, uh, with no further ado, let's get into it, sir. How, uh, one of the my favorite questions to kick these things off with is, you know, who are you at your core, man? Who's the man behind the work? You know, where's this coming from? Um, you
1: know, my entire life, I was not very good at a lot of things, but the, the, one of the gifts that God gave me was to shoot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember growing up in in a backyard and with a BB gun and, and, and shooting toothpicks in the ground and saying, you know, I had that, I could do that. You know, I wasn't a very strong guy. Um, I was an okay athlete, nothing special, Mm -hmm. but um, I could shoot. So, you know, and and I again, I, I was born in Memphis, grew up in L.A., but I went to join the uh, Israeli army when I was about 18, 19, uh, ended up doing 22 years there. But uh, the first word I learned in Hebrew was salaf. Salaf means uh, sniper in, in Hebrew. I didn't know I would be six time champion of Israel shooting back then, but that was the first word I learned and um and i guess i got lucky because you know jewish jewish people were not very good athletes so being the best out of people that are not very good athletes it's uh <laughs> it's a, you're you're strong against weak people no but the, the israeli army where it's a very fighting army it's a very tactical army it's a very uh, unfortunately because there are neighbors around us don't want us there so i guess you know i just wanted to help you know i just wanted to be a part of something bigger than me um i had this uh dream that i was a you know now what's happening with russia and ukraine i had this dream that i was a a sniper in the holocaust in 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 germany and how many nazi uh guys can i take down before they get me it was a reoccurring dream when i was in high school um and and that was one of the things so when i first went into the infantry in in 88 I told my platoon commander, I want to be a, a Salaf. I want to be a sniper. And he said, okay, we'll see what you can do. We had a Galil back then, which was a very heavy, uh, uh, <laughs> heavy, <laughs> rifle. not, not fun to run with that, by the way. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I've always been, I think my, my gift, I don't have many gifts. And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, I have very little gifts, but <laughs> my, uh, my gift I think has always been to think outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, When I wrote the Israeli doctrine on how to shoot a gun and I I commanded the school for 17 years, it was I would go to sleep with an idea and pen and paper and wake up. And the next day it was law in Israel because we didn't have all the red tape and bureaucratic stuff that you guys have here in your military. And Mm -hmm. and we were always in battle. So we're always learning from what we're doing right and wrong. So I think I was always able to see things logically. It was uh, it was pretty easy for me to see certain things that maybe others didn't see um and i always wanted to be part of something bigger than me i wanted to be i wanted to be able to do something good for for something bigger than me and and the country was bigger than me and that's why my kids every time they see a policeman or a guy in uniform they run over to him and said thank you for your service and they've been taught that from day one so uh anybody who's willing to put their lives on the line to help us uh, those are the people that need to be respected
0: outstanding outstanding i you know, I, as we do these interviews, I I tend to find people who kind of have what we call the protection DNA, you know, and it's just almost like, you know, it's like, when did you really become this protected, the protective mindset, this person, and a lot of times it you know, some of the best, and this is why we say protection, whether it's professional or whether it's, um, just because you understand the facts of life. Um, it's more than a job, it's a lifestyle. And uh, it sounds like that's been with you since the beginning and maybe even a cultural component to that.
1: You know, it, it's a hard one for me, to be honest, because I was the guy that was into the girls. I was the girl guy. I love. Yeah, I loved, you're smooth, I, you I, are I, smooth. <laughs> I, I, I love the women, that was my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's because I didn't like the way I look. And the more girls I slept with, the better I thought I looked, you know, it was probably a ego problematic thing in my brain somewhere deep inside of where we right. don't want to go. We don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, but but the I was always the lover, not the fighter guy, to be honest. So every time guys would have a fist fight in high school or something, I'd be the guy breaking up the fight. Yeah, you know, I was I was president of my high school. I You know, wow. I was like the the. I wasn't the violent guy, you know. I wasn't the guy getting in trouble. I wasn't the guy. Um, right. all the, the girlfriend's mothers used to like me because I pick up the plate and go clean off my, ta- yeah. my plate in the sink, you know. <laughs> I, I knew how to. Do, I knew how to hit the right buttons. When you're not good looking, you have to hit the right buttons. That's the way it it's works. True. It's so, so yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> so so the the fact that I evolved to be this, you know, uh, the head sniper of Israel, or 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 you know, writing the Israeli doctrine on how to shoot a gun. I don't know how many people would have said that's who I am. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many people would have said to me. And when I'm 16, 17, 18, you know, you're going to be a lieutenant colonel in the Israeli army. I don't think yeah. it was written down in stone prior. So sometimes I even think I went against my DNA regarding who I am and what I am. But yeah. to be honest, one of the reasons I joined the military was I needed to grow up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was um, maybe too too much of a spoiled kid. I didn't understand life. And uh, did a whole bunch of mistakes uh, in my in my high school years, mm-hmm. and that I'm not proud of. But I, I thought, how can I become a man? How do I how do I grow up? And so wow. one way is to join the inventory of the IDF. That'll put some hair on your chest, as we say, and uh, yeah. that that'll grow you up real quick. So um, that's one of the reasons I joined. Uh, you want you want I, I spoke about the patriotic side of it, but. Uh, <laughs> I also had the honor to train all, uh, at least three to four thousand American troops before they would go into Afghanistan and Iraq. I always got along better with the military and law enforcement people. By definition, my DNA mm. gets along better with these people. But um, the there were, a lot of times before they would go to Iraq and Afghanistan, we would train them and uh, they would come by my base. I, I was in the anti terror school in Israel for, for those 17 years. And wow. um and I love those guys, and we used to joke around a lot with them back in the times. This is probably, I gotta say, early '90s, maybe mid '90s, late '90s. We would uh, we had guys that even in the early 2000s, they would come with long M16s, like this long gut. and we already had gone in the IDF to the short that was like an M4 hybrid, uh, short M16, but the the upper was a uh, was an M4. And uh, and we would always ask him, why are you guys going into these long guns? Because the the American military did not have a lot of experience in CQB situations. They were mm-hmm. a Vietnam. It was a Vietnam thing. You know, this is before you know, the desert storm. This is before Iraq. This is before Afghanistan. The tour they had to clean clean rooms and clean houses and clean streets. Right. This was not their thing. And this is what we always did. Right. That's what right. the IDF does. And and I, we wanted the smaller guns so it would be easier to get out of cars, get it inside of rooms, you know. It was we wanted the least more compact things. Absolutely. And they and I would ask these guys, why are you doing it? And, and bullshit to hear about range, oh, the barrel's longer, It can shoot farther. It's bullshit. I can go into that for a long time. I've been all the ballistic <laughs> charts of Israel, so I'm pretty yeah. good on the ballistic side of it. But they would tell me that the reason is uh, they would joke around because they didn't want to be with the long gun either. The long M16, one they would say it's good for saluting when they would have to put it next standing at attention If they put it on the ground, the yeah. long gun gets down there, the short gun, it doesn't get there. You got to reach, you got to bend over to, to get to the, to the small point. So, um, I, have been, I've been lucky. I've been, uh, I've been good that God's able, given me a few gifts in life that have allowed me to help people. And, uh, and to uh bring my very few <laughs> abilities to to bring them to the forefront and and, and affect change you know it's kind of sure. kind of cool when you sh- you leave a stamp on in a fighting military and you write every every shot that's shot in the idea for at least the two decades that i was there was something mm-hmm. that i wrote so wow. it was uh it was kind of cool and uh and it was uh it was humbling, but it was also probably the reason my wife married me, you know, because they, yeah, I was kind of known in Israel and all the talk shows and, and the prime ministers and everyone made a big deal about me. And mm-hmm. for no reason, though, and I was just a good shooter. And yeah. uh, and they would call I had uh, they wouldn't call me Mikey. They would call me Agadah, which, by the way, is the name of our new gun, by the way. But oh, the, the Agadah means uh, whatever. It doesn't matter what it means in Hebrew, but it's uh, it was just something that um, kind of stuck. And I would come to bases and I would say, I'm Mikey, open up the gate. And they say, you're not Mikey. I said, i no, Mikey, you know, you have a driver. Yeah. <laughs> so, since I was 23, I had a driver. They don't pay you any salary. They give you like 180 dollars a month salary, but you but you got a car and a driver. You know, there are fringe benefits in poverty. So uh, I would come to a gate. I'm say a paratrooper base or a, another infantry unit, and I'm, I'm Mikey. Open the gate. No, you're not Mikey. I open up the gate. I'm Mikey. No, you're not Mikey. Mikey's 70 years. Mikey's 70 years old. He's got gray hair. You know, they would tell these story. They would tell these stories about me of stuff that I did with a gun that I never did. That I yeah. never did though. So way, way, way above my pay grade, and they would just say that I did this and I did this, and there would be stories told, and it mm-hmm. would like uh, snowball into these crazy legends that were built. And I didn't <laughs> do ha- I didn't do half the shit they said I did. You know, to be oh, honest, man. I didn't. I didn't, all, I didn't always correct them, though. I <laughs> made, let some but, of them just ride. <laughs> but, yeah, I may have let some go by without correcting them. Yeah, that probably happened a few times.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. No, but it's it's definitely an honor and. It's really good to kind of hear in your own words what that, that journey was like. You know, I know a lot of men aspire to that. And definitely something I want to point out is that, you know, the humility, you know, that comes from like, that you've been able to extract and maintain through that experience, just by the way you, you present for sure. Can I, what does Agadab mean? It's, it's driving I know, me I know. I
1: don't, want to, I don't want to compliment myself. i am already got a big ego. Uh, Agadab means legend. So, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so, what I was thinking. So, yeah, what well, the problem is i've been called agadah my whole life you know when you teach five hundred thousand people to shoot that that's they don't know your names right? right so i would call them ahi ahi means brother i can't remember everybody's name you know, say hey mikey how you doing how you doing i say hey ahi, how how you doing my brother you can't yeah. I, you can't remember everybody's name obviously so and that stuck to me about eight nine ten years before they came out with the american sniper here and, wow. and and his name was called The Legend, right? So I was about 10 years, a decade before, but obviously he was more kick-ass than me. I can't, I'm not going to compare myself to that guy. Uh, rest in peace. So that's like crazy, crazy stuff. And yeah. and some of the movie was true and some of the movie wasn't true, but that's a, another issue. But, um, you know, I guess it's a name they give people that, that shoot very well. I, I guess uh, sometimes it just sticks that way. So my wife tries to make fun of me all the time with that stuff. And, you know, they think you're a legend, but you're not, you know, so that would be that kind of stuff, bringing my, bringing my ego down. Right. Um, A a quick story on that. It's, it's interesting. The metamorphosis in life. Yeah. Um, I took over the IDF shooting school when I was 23. Wow. I'm a second Lieutenant. They put two captains underneath me. So that's not one above me. That's a Lieutenant. They put two ranks above me two guys that are two ranks above me underneath me, right? Which is so problematic. It's not, it's unheard of. It's never, it doesn't happen ever. Right. And, um, and I remember my, my first years, my first four years, until like 97, I was a very incredibly popular person. Everyone, they would, Mikey's got patients of this. And they would have this, something called sociometry was this test that they would fill out and all the officers would fill it out on you and you would fill it on them. And I always finished in the hundredth percentile. I was always the the number one, but my, I was not creating the effect that I thought that I could on the IDF. Mm. I had a small effect. I was okay. I was helping here. I was helping there. But to be honest, I wasn't creating tremendous change. Wow. I was too. My scope of responsibility and 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 authority was too small. Hmm. And and I remember this like yesterday. I was twenty seven years old, sitting in my office. Wow. And I'm saying to myself, Do you want to be popular? Do you want to make a change? Obviously. You want do you want to uh, be liked, or do you want to create a uh, a stamp or an effect that can actually change people's lives and and save people's lives, which I always thought I did, but at at a more degree. And and this is it's a very, very accurate and and true story, but it's a very deep feeling for me. And I knew that if I wanted to affect change, I had to be, and I hate saying this, a bit more of an asshole. And (laughs) I had to take over units that were not mine or Mm -hmm. take responsibility of something that had a connection to my life, meaning how to clean a gun how to safety check a gun, who gets what targets, who gets what ammo, who gets what scopes, who gets what guns, who goes to which courses that had to do with the shooting field. So all these different divisions in the Army, like the safety division, dealt with how to check a gun. The I don't know how they call these guys, the, the armory guys, they would talk about how to clean a gun. Uh, the course guys, the guys that sit in an office somewhere and who goes to what course they would deal with that. The guys that are responsible to procure targets and, and, uh, um, guns, they were in different divisions, but I was not their commander. I was in charge of training the Israeli military, how to shoot, but I didn't touch those stuff, which had a, a direct effect on me. So I then said, you're going to go on this path to try to take over these areas in everyone else's, in these people, other people's responsibilities, and this is going to cost you popularity. You are going to be less liked by doing these uh, these motions. And I remember sitting like this, like yesterday. And even though I'm an old man now, I'm 52, but this is like you know half a life ago. And uh, and I said, I think this is the right thing to do. And I slowly but surely took over all that. The way we clean a gun, no one in the world cleans it. The way we check a gun, no one in the world cleans uh, checks a gun like we do. Uh, all these responsibility. who gets what targets, who gets what ammo, two years afterwards, probably, maybe even less, I was responsible for all of that in the IDF. Not wow. only could you not shoot a shot in the IDF without my OK, you couldn't get a target, you couldn't get a bullet, you couldn't get a, a telescope without my OK on that. Wow. And, and then we did the sociometry again, and I came in 20th percentile. 80 percentile were more popular than me. In two years, <laughs> I went down from the, the most liked guy to one of yeah. the most disliked guys in a span of a year to two. It was like, oh, my God, what did I do? Did my personality change? Am I now a different person? But, uh, but I changed the army and it was kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, it, uh, to be honest, two years after, I went back up to 100. But it was uh, it was a learning experience to be not liked for a while. Wow.
0: But a very important, I mean, depending on your mission set, I mean, what your values are very important move to be made. And definitely, I think, a lesson for uh, for anyone listening who really wants to be impactful. Uh, That's 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 uh, that's some good life experience. You know, I think that's pretty awesome.
1: It it was Um, it was it was a a great journey. I, I enjoyed every moment of those 22 years.
0: That's that's awesome to be able to say that. Um, and it sounds like it was really in alignment with, you know, being able to, what you said in the beginning, positively impact something that's greater than you, you know, and there's so much value in that, you know, especially for our young listeners, you know, getting outside of yourself and serving in a capacity that you can really respect and contributing to a culture that you honor. These things mean so much in life. Um
1: as, as a father, you know, it's also, you know, know we, it, we, we, we all don't always have the opportunity to affect change in a and a big organism, you know, not everyone goes to the military or not everyone can can be a CEO or not everyone can be a president of the United States and not everyone can you know, whatever whatever path someone goes into a doctor, lawyer, whatever they do. Mm-hmm. Some, but some of the times things that we can for sure have an effect on, it can be on our, our brother, sister, it can be on our father, mother, it can be on our son, daughter. We can always affect change to the, even our close friends next to us. You know, my kids, and you know, we spoke about saying thank you or thank you for your service to every fireman or law enforcement or military guy they see. But even more so than that, you know, we go and we buy pizzas for the neighborhood police department. We yeah. go to the, we go mm-hmm. to the homeless uh, shelter in uh, Hollywood here or a plantation and we, we give over and we buy them food. You know, doing something small to, to affect change or even put a smile on someone's face is, is very, uh, I probably enjoy that more than anything. And that sometimes conflicts with my CEO job because yeah. I like buying these guys pizza and cookies and employee, employee of the month and Christmas bonuses and throwing out money to these guys, which I do all the time. But on the other hand, when they screw up, they're in my office doing my new, new, new speech. If you don't get better, I'm kicking your butt out, and, <laughs> I, have to, and I have to be the disciplined guy. You know, the guy yes. that 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 I'm the only guy who criticizes anybody. So, yes. and, and when you criticize, it's not a popular thing. Everyone says. I want to have criticism. I want to change. Oh, yeah, you know? so. <laughs> I, I, I need criticism. If I want to grow, I need people to yeah, it's yeah. all bullshit. It's until bullshit until it comes is time. It, <laughs> until it comes time. It's what we call must for time and evil. It's tax of the mouth. The mouth is talking, but it's not, there's nothing behind it. You know, it's, it's, right. it's, it's all bullshit. So in this job, I have to be, you know, um strict as well, or right. educating and uh disciplining and and expecting the most and pushing them to be their best and when you do that it's not always easy and when someone screws up they screw up and they have to be able to man up take responsibility learn from the mistakes so we can be better the next time right, right. i'm not shooting anybody in the kneecaps anymore you know this i don't do that anymore i'm, I'm retired so um uh, that's also a crazy thing in the idea if we sometimes do stupid crap but the <laughs> We went into this world of non-lethal stuff, you know, the rubber bullets, the plastic bullets. I'll say in my world, uh, the the, uh, the 22s that we would shoot uh, high, uh, much less velocity, velocity. And a lot of times that we had to do like crowd management or disbursement, we would call it. And I apologize. I still think in Hebrew, my English sucks. But (laughs) we would use these. Plastic rubber uh, bullets to to deal with these uh, these guys and in my mind it was insanity because these rounds were so not accurate that mm. we would aim at their knee because you would always have to aim at the lower part of the body that was a rule that was a law in the IDF mm. and they were so not accurate you hit the guy in the head and you actually kill him oh, so I God. said, you know you should be actually using a, a full metal jacket five five six which was our round in the in the IDF. Aim at a kneecap with a five-five-six. At least you'll hit the kneecap, right? Yeah. So you might as well be accurate with this. If you want to be non-lethal, hit right. a hit a part of the body that is not going to kill the guy, right? Wow. So some of the times, some of the times you have to you have headshots, and some of the times you have a, a, a knee shot, right? Mm-hmm. Leg shots are always harder, by the way, because they're moving. And yeah. when you ever, whenever you're hitting a aiming at a moving target, and he's going from the hardest time to hit a moving target is left to right, nine to three or three to nine. When he's okay. going from side to side of you right if he's running at you it's almost like a still target in your sight right so you're mm-hmm. seeing a stationary target just getting bigger and bigger and bigger as mm-hmm. it approaches you in those areas i say don't even shoot pull out a grenade pull out the pin and hand it to yeah. him when he gets there right so if he's coming to you let him come yeah but uh the hardest one to shoot is when he's crossing you from left to right because then the the amount of space that he moves by the time the bullet gets to him is the the, the most so the lead you need to do on someone like that is a larger lead but right. when you look at that the hardest part to hit is the legs is underneath the the waist 100%. Because, because the left leg and right leg are cross are crossing each other the whole time and that becomes a very hard shot while the upper torso stays, stays steady it does right. not have the movement of the legs. so by definition when you're shooting at a moving target going from left to right or right to left you don't want to shoot at the legs but in some right. areas, we have to because that's the, the situation asks for that. So um, shooting at moving targets, I I took a picture of my driver and mm-hmm. uh, and we make we put him on all the targets in Israel. And we didn't have sophisticated stuff. We don't have any money. The only stuff we have is what American gives us. You know, mm-hmm. so the way I'll talk to that in a second. So we had we would practice on the poor man moving targets because moving targets is everything. I okay. you know. Uh, we do a little stationary, but the, the upper training is in the moving targets. And we didn't have all the electronic targets back then. And we didn't have anything that, you know, was anything any advanced. Sometimes we would even have a string pulling targets. But what we yeah. would do, we would build trenches at 200 yards, or we call it 200 meters, which is a little bit more than 200 yards. Yeah. And we'd build this trench. And we would have guys put on the like a Kevlar vest, but it wasn't was what, what we had back then, and helmet and, and, and eyes. And Mm -hmm. they would walk with the target inside of this trench. And what would stick out above the the, the, the the bottom of the land would be the target only. So when you're at the firing line, you can't see the guy in the, t- the trench, but you can see the target that he's holding up above him. Uh and he's aiming at that. So we made this profile target, a 80 by 30 uh centimeter target, which is like the, the 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 length of a of a normal human being is 30 and 80 above the torso. We took off the legs because you we went on to shoot out the legs uh, at a moving target, and that's the way we would train soldiers to shoot by. Mm-hmm walking in a tunnel and having people shoot at those targets above him. They were about 200 yards. We would do that. So you would also learn a lot by having bullets fly over your head, right? The timing between the the, the bullet leaving the, sh- the the barrel and creating the first noise and the, the sound of the, the speed of sound going over your ear and understanding distances by the, the difference between those two sounds. So uh, a lot of cool shit. But we were all we were so poor and America is basically Israel's only friend. So without America, we don't have any friends. But what people don't know is, let's say uh, America gave, gives Israel, uh, which is a very sensitive issue. Uh, they give money to Israel. Mm-hmm. They give money to everybody. They give money to the terrorists. They give money to Iran. Obviously, I heard that one, too, right. like boat boatloads or plane loads. But when they give you money, they give you coupons. And you have to use that coupon mm-hmm. in America. You have right. to use it in America. So... When we got coupons for M4s, we bought <clears throat> M4s from America. Do you know how much we pay for every M4 in the IDF? Huh. I'll blow you away now. Okay. Four, $1,400. Now that's a shitload of money to pay when you're buying, you know, 60, 70,000 uh, yeah. of them all the time. Yeah, so the, you would think the, you get that's
0: what we're all civilians are paying right now. For yeah, you, yeah. you know,
1: and, and I'm talking to you 20 years ago, right? I'm talking to right. you. I brought I brought the first M4 to the to the IDF in mm-hmm maybe 97, 98, you know, and it was just the upper back then. And at 97, maybe even 96, around there. So I can't remember. Sorry. It's not important. So, um, so it's we're vastly overpaying to pay fourteen hundred, but we can't complain because we got the coupons. So mm-hmm. the objective of that money is to strengthen the U.S. economy. To be honest, so the money goes flows back into the American uh, market. That's the way it's used. So it's okay. those the, those money can only be used in America. So we have there's an oh, Israeli yeah. <laughs> found uh, Israeli army uh, uh, office in New York in Manhattan uh. on uniform. You're on uniform. You're on Israeli uniform in New York. And those guys' job is to take the, the the finance that America gives to Israel and then reinvest that into the American economy and buy stuff from America. Okay. Great. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. So that's how they like, <laughs> man, that sounds kind of intense. Those yeah, places well, and then being like, well, you
0: can't spend it at home. You got to get here and spend it. That's well, we, like- we,
1: we didn't live without you guys anyway. Even our, our, our rations, our food rations, mm-hmm. a lot of it was American stuff. You know, you guys would eat your your rations in the military. That you guys, I don't know what you guys call them those uh, little portions that they give MRAs. you. The MRA's, yeah, MRA. Those were better than my Friday night dinners. That's our Sabbath. You know, like <laughs> you, you guys, guys were like, we're all. You don't. We don't. You guys, when you have ten minutes, we would. I've been in so many bases in America. I've been, and I trained guys in Fort Bragg recently. I love those guys. So I'm I'm very much into the U.S. military. But the the mm-hmm. things that I would see when you guys have ten minute break. They go outside and they start doing push-ups and pull-ups. We get seven <laughs> minutes break in Israel, we're smoking a cigarette. So, yeah. you know, it's a different concept. The mm-hmm. discipline in the American military yeah. is a 100 times better than really? the discipline in the Israeli army. Wow. It's not even comparison. We are the champions <laughs> of improvisation. We yes, don't well. do anything by the book. We always have yeah. to adapt, you know, to adapt mm-hmm. to your surroundings. So I remember I remember going to Camp Lejeune once. Mm -hmm. Well, I was in the military. I was probably a a captain or a major. I can't remember. One of the two. I wasn't a lieutenant colonel for sure. So and we went to do some training and I meet kind of like my equal, kind of. He was in charge of shooting in that base. He wasn't in charge of shooting of the entire U.S. military, but he was in charge of that. He was like a master, master sergeant. I don't understand the ranks in in the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. He was a NCO guy. though. He was not an officer. And he was smoking a cigar, like a big guy. He was like a box. It was a box with a head. You guys are much bigger than we are. We're, we're, we're everyone. All, why are you guys so small? I said, I don't know. God made us this way. We're not, we're, you don't see Jews winning athletic gold medals. You know, we, we don't have that gift. Yes. So, and, and we started talking about how do you deal with a stoppage? How do we train in Israel? How to deal with the stoppage? And how does the American military train on the stoppage? And this sums up the discipline factor difference between the U.S. military and the Israeli military in one short story. I ask him, how do you guys deal with stoppages? And he says to me, sports. I don't know the fuck who was talking about sports. What is sport? This is how they do all that. So S, smack the magazine. P, pull the receiver. O, observe to see what's happening in the gun. R, release. T, hit the little knob thing that closes the bolt. S, Squeeze the trigger, and I look at this guy's like like he's on drugs. I'm like, well, are, are, are you are you frigging serious? Are you kidding? me? And yeah. it's like, "What?" I said, "Well, if you just do what you just said—that smack, pull, observe, release, tap, s, squeeze—shit. If yeah. you do that, eighty-five percent of the time will not clean a stoppage." He looks at me like I'm smoking drugs, which yeah. I hadn't, which I hadn't done years for years at least, <laughs> right. and uh, and. He says, "I know." I said, "What do you mean? You know, you crazy person? If you know, why are you teaching that?" And he looks at me like I'm like I fell off Mars. Mm-hmm. Why am I teaching that? Because that's how it says to do in my doctrine. That's what we're supposed. That's to. what the that's doctrine what do. says. Yeah. If the doctrine says sports, I'm teaching sports. Yeah. I said, "You're insane." I said, "You're insane." If I taught that way, how many people, dead people, there be in Israel? Yeah. I. The difference with us, if I write in a book let's do a b c in a doctrine and mm-hmm. i write that down yeah the israeli guy says no no i got a better idea let's do d h and y you know we mm-hmm. think we're the chosen people we think we're smarter than everybody else mm-hmm. so they come up with their own freaking uh, philosophies and the discipline is just not there so then you have so. to use scare tactic you know you gotta shoot <laughs> in your leg if you don't do what i tell you to do so uh, wow. uh what, one of the things is how we brought women into the shooting instructor world it's a funny story as well really wow <laughs> i'm curious i mean there's so much good stuff here (laughs) (laughs) so i mean how did this go down (laughs) women were great because well we all love women right that's an obvious but you guys have some amazing like tactical
0: you know females you're kind of known for that
1: yeah well to be honest and this is a famous thing this is famous by the way you can you can check me on google you can check me on google on this the most beautiful women in israel Mm-hmm. were always shooting instructors. They called them Mikey's Angels. Instead of Charlie's Angels, they were called Mikey's Angels. Mikey's Angels. <laughs> now, we we handpicked these oh, girls. We it's handpicked a... them. Mm-hmm. So they were in two units in the Israeli army, the Air Force mm-hmm. and shooting instructors with Mikey. Those were the two most oh. beautiful women. Now, women in Israel, by definition, right. are extremely, extremely sexy women. You don't see obesity in true. Israel. It's true. I've yep. been there 13 times. <laughs> I can vouch for
0: this gentleman. <laughs> it's an amazing place to find someone.
1: V- very sexy people. No, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say beautiful. I would say sexy, right? There's a difference. They're, the bodies are good. I can't yeah. always talk about the faces. So <laughs> uh, there's bags. For sh- no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, God forbid My wife hears it. I'm going to get in trouble. Right. So the um, there was a thought process to bring girls into being shooting instructors. This is back in the late 80s, early 90s. And there was a lot of kickback, even by me, Mm -hmm. because I didn't believe that a girl that was not in battle Mm -hmm. should be teaching men who had been in battle or are going into battle to deal with the gun. Okay. And it was a metamorphosis for me. I was not a true believer uh, on day one. And what I've noticed that women were better instructors than men with regards to patience. And they had another thing that men didn't have. They had beauty. And now this beauty thing happened to be very... (laughs) 100%. Uh, They're like
0: seducing you into doing what you're supposed to do. There's no ego (laughs) thing where we're like, I don't know if this guy's good enough to teach me. Me, no,
1: yeah, yeah. just just don't leave. Yeah. So you bring it, you bring it, you bring in this girl into this range in some hellhole, yeah. and all these guys just freaking, oh my god, they and they don't give the a sport. shit what she says. I'll do whatever you say. Just don't leave the range, okay? Yeah, it, you you see, sport. you see a flower in the desert, kind of thing, right? Wow. So, and then we understood that power, and yeah. it became such a, uh, a a tool. This is crazy shit. If you're a company commander in the infantry in the IDF, you're you're basically a kickass guy. Yeah, yes. yeah you're if you're made, a company yeah. commander, you're you're in the upper echelon. You're not the biggest guy. You know, our air forces kick ass and shit like that. Our special yeah. forces is great, but if you're a company commander in the infantry, you're a high level guy, right? Yeah, you're maybe you're good. If he if he's cool. He's dating a shooting instructor. <laughs> that was, that, that was like the you're in, you're in, you're, in. you're wow. you made it, you made it. So, um, that it is- was hard for me. I was a single guy. Most of I got married when I was a Lieutenant, colonel. I was already 36. So wow. having all these beautiful girls around you was not a very simple thing for me, but right. you have this, you have this fear that if God forbid you do anything bad, they kick you out of the army. So you got to be uh, careful on that shit. There were ways around it. We won't go into that now, but there were <laughs> certain things that, uh, so these beautiful women, we able to um, uh, push the needle on how the army shoots because they were able to get into the infantryman's head in wow. ways that not only the guys could do. So my instructors, maybe we had six hundred of them. They would be divided half men, half women. You know, mm. it was that it was that kind of thing. Right. So uh, and then we build women battalions of uh, uh, fighters. Uh, watching a woman in a prone position shoot. <laughs> and our in our shooting position in the IDF is different than America's. We're much more angled. Yeah. We're much more 90. Our legs are 90 degrees. So my left leg would be 90 All degrees at nine. Yep. And my right leg would be down at, at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then my body would be 45 degrees from that. And then my my shoulders are 90 degrees. There's a whole bunch of angles that we play with. I've actually right. built a shooting mattress for that. But the seeing a woman in that position, in the prone position shooting like that, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> it's I, I, I once had Mac, uh, rest in peace, Mac from, uh, future weapons. Mm-hmm. He was the kick-ass Navy seal guy, ball yeah. guy, very, very famous. He did, uh, call something, something on discovery channel called future weapons. He did like, mm-hmm. I think three or four or five seasons that he would go all over the world and, and do this shit. He unfortunately passed away recently. Well, uh, a few years back, oh, maybe really two, three sweet. years back from, from brain cancer, I think. A uh, great guy. We stayed in touch after, and he came to my base in Adam, mm-hmm. in my and where my uh, the the school was the shooting school the, the anti terror school, and we spent uh, two days together. And we were shooting a lot with the Tavor, and he did some videos that you know they're out there a few million views. And he said, "Mikey, what are these women? What what is?" Once I again, why am I, I
0: every time you know? <laughs> and, and I've experienced it too. Like, what do you do? I'm a firearms instructor. I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, I can learn some things.
1: <laughs> you can teach me teach me.
0: I'm teachable. I'm teachable. Exactly. This is really amazing. So getting into the, you know, the, the platform I, and honestly, for me, it, it made sense. And when I've been over in Israel, I've seen a lot of conversion kits and, um, kind of, and I've seen a lot of kind of the Glock inside of a conversion kit kind of situations. What really, you know, what's the roots, the inspiration for it? How does it make sense? You know i'd love to kind of get everyone a product overview in your words you know as the design as the uh the guy, as the i got it up here yep. <laughs> you know well, as the agata
1: of this thing yeah yeah no well done well done so listen the i ran the company that i run here i ran this company in israel for about two and a half three years before i moved here mm. and one of the reasons we the partners and i decided to move here five years ago was to see if we can uh, take improved CA's uh, stature in, in the American market, which was incredibly negative. Mm. Uh, CA back then was doing accessories, grips, rails, stocks. Yeah. Um, they were doing that stuff way before Megpool. And <laughs> look where Megpool is, right? We were making magazines. This is before my time when I was still in the IDF, to be honest. And, um, and the conversion kit was an unacceptable product to the American psyche. Really? So, five years ago, coming here, trying to teach people, let's do a conversion kit. They were looking at me, no, no, it's a, it's a crutch, go train with a handgun in the range. What are you, sorry about the language. What are you, a pussy? What do you, know, all that stuff. So what we call a uphill battle, which I love, I love that shit. I love challenges when people say you can't do something. I love, I love that shit. You know, that's where, 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 you know, it comes down to, can you do it or can you not? Right. Can you, can you put the walk into the talk? So I got very lucky, to be honest. If we the, the true story is that I was at SHOT Show in our booth, mm-hmm. and a company called Rated Red, uh, they were a big Facebook production company. They no longer exist, by the way, but back then they were very big. Mm-hmm. And they came and interviewed. I didn't remember them. 20 people interview at SHOT Show, 50 people interview at SHOT Show. You don't even know who they are, right? You're just standing right. and doing your spiel and standing and talking, right? And they interviewed me on our previous, uh, the older product, the macaroni, and even Colin Noor on the NRA TV. And a lot of, went in, in any case, one day I come in, it was the 22nd of March, 2017. I remember the date forever. And I asked my guys here, um, how much sales did we do yesterday on the internet? And they threw out an astronomical number to me for what we were used to prior to the 22nd of March. And I said, no, 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 guys, you made a mistake. I asked you how much internet we did yesterday, not the entire year. Go back and and look at the numbers again. And they say, Mikey, we looked. It's 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 that number. I said, okay, let's calm down. Let's breathe. Let's try to understand what just happened. Let's see. Start looking on social media. This is 2017, so the social media was still strong, but probably we I knew less about it back then than I do now, um, and. We found this video that Rated Red posted from the interview at SHOT Show, which was in late January. They posted it at the end of March, and it went viral. So it wasn't crazy with was like a million views in a day, which is a lot back then on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Still is now. Facebook is a disaster today. But yep. on regarding that, it started to make some noise. Yeah, it started and, to and big then big and big. then people wanted to interview me and the, the Norris and stuff like that. And then we started selling. It was okay we tried selling macaroni here, microphones here. I built the, the the brand. So I made a video of macaroni, and macaroni and uh, and, uh, and spaghetti and I brought my daughter in there. we made fun of ourselves. We tried taking ourselves not too seriously anyway. And then we wanted to upgrade. We wanted to upgrade. We wanted to go to the next level. Because we were selling, but you know, not we were we were became profitable. We weren't losing money anymore, but we weren't uh, hitting a home run or any, really in any felt. sense, right? We still had not captured the psyche of the of, of the american uh, recreational shooter law enforcement guy or home defense guy which are the three legs that we stand on right and um and then i went and i started thinking you know how do i do this and i'm a very big ergonomic guy ergonomics is everything for me and the agadab when you look at it it's Looks insane, right? You have Mm -hmm. a a grip off to the right, and that's your trigger, and you're pulling down on the trigger instead of back, front to back. One day we'll talk about that. It's a totally different mindset, but I wanted to build something that was more comfortable for the end user. I Mm -hmm. always believe that comfort builds accuracy. If I can stabilize my firearm Mm -hmm. and I'm not stressing, I'm not using muscle to hold the gun steady, then I will be able to hold that gun steady for a longer period of time. We all eventually shake, whether you know it or not, not you personally, but you know we all shake with your listeners. And you can even see people's head shakes, heads, because they're going to the stock wrong and they're bringing down their head to the stock at an angle. And you can look at their back of their neck shaking and so many things that people don't even notice when they're shooting. but. Right. The ergonomic side of it, I took my hand and I molded it, made a mm-hmm. mold out of my, my left hand. And then I built a grip around that. So the grip of the MCK, the microconversion kit, the MCK, which we make here in, in the USA, here in Florida, is my hand. Mm-hmm. And when, when we started selling these at the NRA show a few years back, and when someone held them, mm-hmm. all I had to do, he had to hold it. And once he held that, he said, wow, that's interesting because the front grip doesn't look like that. It doesn't look tactical. It's not tactical. It's not sexy. It's (laughs) not, it doesn't have that uh, vertical look to it. It's a half, it looks like a half a potato, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't doesn't look like anything. What people look at it. What is that bulky thing? They don't even get it. So when you put your hand on there and you hold it, it, just everyone, and I don't care who you are. Every yeah. person that holds the MCK says that's incredibly comfortable. I've never, felt like, a that grip like that. I've never felt a grip like that. And then they understand how much we're charging for it. Right. And it becomes a good feeling by and then the force multiplier that you were talking about in the beginning and we do it for the Glocks and we do it for the ZigZowers and we do it for the Smith and & Wessons and we do it for the Tauruses and with we everybody. do it for the Springfields and the CZs and people think we only do it for Glocks. And now right. we're coming out with the Rugers and the Heckler and & Colts and the, and the Koenigs. So... The we found something that makes you a better shooter, whoever you are. I don't care how good you are. Mm -hmm. When you put your handgun into the MCK, you are now a better shooter. Now, this is simple, not because we're geniuses, because we're not. It's point of contact. When you hold a handgun. The only thing holding the handguns are the, the palms of your hand. Right. And you can't even get all your fingers onto the handgun. Right. You're you're overlapping hand on hand.
0: Right. So
1: so like locked in kind of linear doing everything. the space that you're holding is is a small space. And then we have something called a trigger pull. And this trigger pull is now I'm holding something steady. But I have one of my fingers is now doing a movement is in motion when everything else is stationary. And I have to pull this trigger in a way that doesn't affect these light handgun in my hands that can now be nastily affected. By by, if I screwed up my trigger pull, you know, I can hit low right, I can hit low left, I I can flinch. So the trigger pull has an an immense effect on how far I can shoot with a handgun or oh, how yeah. <laughs> or how small my groupings are. One hundred percent. What we were able to do was almost throw away the trigger pull, almost mm. uh, to bring it down to almost zero importance it's still important but we minimized it drastically because now that i'm holding the gun in my shoulder on my face and in my left hand which is three more points of contact than i have with the handgun so now it's four points and not three points right And not one point i'm sorry then the trigger pull has such a less effect on the outcome because i'm holding it so steady that even if i screw up my my trigger pull and I'm not good at a trigger pull, and I can show you probably a hundred thousand videos out there of guys shooting a uh, uh, shooting a gun or a handgun and killing the trigger, doing the exact wrong things on a trigger pull. If I right. would say what is the one weakness mm-hmm. out of all the shooters, and I probably you know I trained five hundred thousand soldiers, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, if I if I take one base and I say what can I go into the American shooters, I've been in. Uh, Peru, Colombia, Chile, South Africa. I've been in right. at least 18 different armies around the world. If I can take one thing and say, what is everyone screwing up? It's probably two trigger yeah. pull mm-hmm. and the way to hold the gun. Yeah. The actual stance of the gun, it kills me. It kills me. It drives me nuts. So, you know, if they would just hold it right, it'd be so much easier. There should be no struggle when you're shooting. When you right. see guys struggling to hit, struggling to group, struggling to increase range, it's because they're doing something wrong. You know, if they would just get it, you know, <laughs> things, things would be lot well, easier. It's difficult because we, you know,
0: uh, we associate shooting with combatives and many times it is. And even for me, you know, I was actually getting a lesson just like this last week on the range and my instructor's like, calm down, man, gentle, like, the intensity you're bringing to your draw stroke is what's slowing you down (laughs) with your draw stroke. And I'm just like, ah, like my brain, you know, with all the other combatives and, you know, military and all that is like, I'm having to re completely recondition and re brainwash myself to just understand that the more relaxed and comfortable I am, the faster I'll shoot, the more I'll stay on target. I'll float through the stages um, instead of being so intense, you know, and like,
1: taking the weight room to the range, you know? Well, firstly, everyone likes looking cool. So let's break that down. Okay.
0: So <laughs> everyone
1: wants to be cool. Everyone wants to look like a kick-ass tactical guy at the range. So, oh, it you know, it's, there's a lot of manual ego here and they don't want to learn from other people because I'm God. Why do I need to learn from you? Yeah. But there's a movie that, that it's going to be, most people won't know it. It was called Over the Top. It was a Sylvester okay. Stallone movie. It was a stupid-ass movie. But it was a movie about arm wrestling.
0: Yeah, I remember this movie, man. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> the truck drivers and arm wrestling. Yeah. The, oh, the yeah. truck drivers, them, exactly. Man, it's a man, old-school man movie right
1: there. And, and, and I, I don't know if you can remember because it's not a good movie. But <laughs> you, you do remember the movie. Before he would go into the arm wrestle, right, he was you know, hopping himself up. He yeah. would take his hat and he would turn it around. You would yes. turn it around 180 degrees. So it would be yeah. pointing back. I took that into my <laughs> sniper world. I swear yes. to God. And every time I opened up the safety of a gun, mm-hmm. I would refocus. Wow. I was in a, I was in a, my tunnel vision. I was That's in, I was in a different, uh, kind of, yeah, a different mindset. kind of environment in my mindset. So yeah. there would be this, there would be the Mikey before the, the, the safety is open. And then a Mikey after the safety. And, um, if you're, um, Cognitive of right. what you are doing mm-hmm. and the actions you are making, you always need to check yourself. You know that's why drive fire in front of a mirror when your ammo is far away from you yeah. uh, <laughs> is is a very smart thing. You know you learn by seeing, right? You yeah. learn by doing, and a lot of times people are doing things wrong, and their and their muscle memory becomes something that's negative. It's a, right. a negative effect. It's like when I had to move the guys from. From the M4 platform to the Tavor platform in the IDF, it was it was insanity, because the muscle memory when you go from a regular gun to a bolt up, where right. the stock, where the, the the whole bolt mechanism, the magazine is in the rear, they have to and your left arm is coming to change the magazine. It's no longer there. It's not there anymore. It's in the back. You know right. everything. Everything changes. The even the we see in Hebrew Merkaz Koba, the center of, of weight goes from the middle of the gun being the center. To the rear, so right. that was uh, another story that we'll talk about, it maybe another time. But how I brought the Tavor into the Ar- army, and whether it was a good or bad gun, that's irrelevant. My job was to build, put the Tavor into the army, and mm-hmm. uh, and I decided because of this retraining stuff mm-hmm. that I can't do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something that no one's ever done in the IDF, and I'm going to bring this new weapon system only through boot camp. So if you're an IDF soldier, by the way, men do three years mandatory, women do two years mandatory, right? So no questions asked, you got to join, right? Right. So if you're a year in the army or two years in the army or two and a half years in the army, I'm not going to give you a Tavor. You've been trained your whole life on the M4. You're not getting that gun. So if you're a boot camp soldier, because you've never shot a gun, there is no hunting in Israel, very Mm. little sports shooting, if at all. No one owns a gun. You can't buy an AR or an AK in Israel. You can't go into a gun store and buy that. It's non-existent. Right. So the whole right. mentality, that the first time a guy sees a gun is when he joins at 18 and joins the military. Right. That is the first experience of an Israeli with a gun right. in his life. Unless he saw his father, who was also in the army, and his mother, who was also in the army, or his yeah. big sister or big brother. That's the only time he saw a gun at home because right. you bring your gun home. But that, that's it. You don't go shooting at a range, you know, it's very, very little, you know, it's, it's minute. There are some shooting ranges in Israel to shoot your handguns and they're probably, I don't know, five or six and, and I don't know how many in Israel, but very few and, but it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not developed.
0: Well, I know Um, they they have a bunch of handguns, man, (laughs) because everybody there is. Definitely back in handguns.
1: Hold on. It's like I'm a gonna, wallet in Israel uh, if you're like hold. No, no, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree. I don't want to disagree with you. I don't know you well enough to disagree with you, but I disagree with you. <laughs> I mean it's and, your and, you know? and I'm gonna I'm I'm going to blow up another uh what the, idea about uh, it uh, uh, There's a better to, word than idea, but uh, whatever. Yeah. So these um a lot of times you talk about how does Israel carry? Do they carry with around in the chamber? Why don't they carry with around in the chamber? Why do they cock the gun before they there? why isn't the bull in yeah, the chamber? The, I think it's called 12 or 13. I don't know. There's some stupid, I don't know. It's um, the, your, some of your listeners for sure know. Mm-hmm. And and I would get very pissed at this. Yeah. You know, in the entire Israeli military, and it's a large military. Now, it's, you know, we're a small country. We're the size of New Jersey, but everyone right. does the army, as, you, as we spoke about. You know how many different units have handguns in the Israeli unit uh, as their secondary, you know, as a backup? You know how many units in the Israeli army have handguns as a backup? In the entire Israeli military, two, two very small units. Okay. No one in the Israeli military, no one other than maybe less than 1%, mm. have a handgun. Really? So we never train people with a handgun. <laughs> we never shoot with a handgun. It's all rifle. By the way, mm. I'm much more of an expert in rifles than I am with handguns on a personal oh, level. Yeah. Okay. It. Personal level. There's people that know a shitload more than I do about handguns, right. okay? I have no problem saying that out loud and screaming because it's just true. Right. Rifle, though, rifle though, I'm pretty good at. So, but the, the handgun, there's many, many better than me. Many, 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 many. Mm-hmm. The, no one carries a handgun in Israel. Now, there's such strict laws there. Mm -hmm. That you have to either be like a jeweler that's carrying diamonds from place to place, or there has to be a reason to have it. There used to be, there used to be, if you became a second lieutenant, right after you became a second lieutenant, you could go straight to the gun store and buy a handgun. That used to be law in Israel. hmm. And then they changed it, and they made it much more difficult to own a gun. You can, but it's more difficult. Does everyone carry? It depends where they live. Oh, Israel, maybe That's
0: realism.
1: In Israel, there's territories. So if right. you're across the green line and you live in in the territories, then you you always carry, always mm. one, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five yeah. days. You'll never take it off ever, ever. Yeah. But if you're li- if you're living in in Tel Aviv or one of the major cities, I would say ninety nine point nine percent don't even have a handgun. You know. Oh, So yeah. it, it it depends where. With that being said. So many people, you know, we have people that blow up buses and go into hotels and shoot up. So you're you're it makes sense to have more handguns. People should be armed, people should be able to defend themselves, especially in a place like Israel where it can come out of everywhere, right? Because the Amen. the population that lives with you is trying to kill you sometimes. It's not just right. the guys across the border, they're coming from inside. So um, but there you know, I'm trying to think of all my friends and right. how many people and how many people actually carry a handgun in Israel. And and it's not a lot, It's just not a lot. when you're in the army, you're obviously you're with a weapon 24 seven, right? You're right, never, right. you're never letting go of the weapon. But if you're a civilian and you're retired from the army, you have to do reserve duty in Israel until you're 42, 45 years old. So yeah. you, you go from 18 to 21, you start your life, you go to school, you, you learn to be whatever you want to do, become a businessman, whatever you want to do. And then every year you have to do one month of, of service. Mm -hmm. So you keep on serving until you're 42 to 45. Some even go even longer than that. And, um, and that, and those guys that one month a year go back, put on the uniform, and they continue to serve. You know, when, when we go to war, Mm -hmm. the, the 18 to 21 guys are supposed to hold the lines for about 48 hours Mm -hmm. until the reserves come until there's a mass. That's what happens in every war. In every war, that's how it goes. So, um, but again, I, I wish I wish more people would carry in, in, in Israel, and I wish it was easier to, to get a license. To be honest, I'm not there for five years, so yes. it, things could have changed in those five years, so I don't want to say something that's now, but uh, that's my experience of being there 30 years.
0: Yeah, wow. I was wanting to get into, is there anything else about the MCK you want to talk about that I'll kind of give everyone my kind of, but is there anything else about that weapon system that you really feel like people need to know and consider when they are, you know,
1: when they're when they're looking at buying one. Um, well, the MCK itself, it, mm. it just makes shooting so much easier. Right. So we we love this at all phases of life. Teaching right. your child how to shoot, getting a better grouping, mm. shooting farther. We say about three times your range you can hit with an MCK. So if I comfortably shoot at twenty feet. I can hit at 60 feet. If I comfortably shoot at 50 feet, I can shoot at 150 feet. If I comfortably shoot at 25 yards, I can shoot at 75 yards. That's around the average, just because of the points of contact. Now we have an incredible amount of add-ons and we have flashlights and green lasers and red lasers and sights and red dot sights and thumb rest. And we got glass breakers, we got bipods, we have bayonets. We have so many different um, add-ons That it's like people in this country, this this following that we have and people have been amazing to us is like. It's Like they're building, they have the AR build, they have an yeah. MCK build. So every two right. weeks, they get it, they get another. Uh, if they get paid, and here you get paid every two weeks, and Israel's every one month. So, mm-hmm. uh, every two weeks, we see the same guys coming back to us and buying something else, you know, adding on to their MCK, which we, we love it. We have a saying that we say, Welcome to the MCK family. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly feel that way with all these people that have been so great to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's far. Out past anything we ever dreamt of. We're actually uh, sending them out to Ukraine now because of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. Believe it or not, and um, and we see these. They do extreme. We the State Department gave us like a get out of jail free card with the ITAR, which is a regulation of sending stuff outside of the country. So now we don't we don't need to. It's just an it's a standard export license, which I don't. Nice. It makes them. Yeah, it makes it easier. So we ship all over the world now. Uh, Canada Europe Thailand South Africa the Philippines all over the Middle East so it's been it's been a crazy crazy run we've been wow. able to employ a lot of people here in south uh, in south florida that we would never have thought that we could uh it's been a a blessing to be able to hire people i, I don't think i have anything more fun as a ceo than mm-hmm. than hiring somebody uh, and i love that part of it um it's not all good, but some of it, some of it is good. <laughs> and, and, the, and the stabilizer or the stock option, they fold, so it's very compact, fits Man. in your bug-out bag. When right. I went to Fort Bragg and we did a three-gun shoot with this, mm-hmm. they started using it as their truck gun. I didn't even know what a truck gun was. I've right. never, yeah. never even heard that phase before. We don't have that in <laughs> Israel, a truck right. gun. I remember coming once to a show, a media show called The Big Three. It was uh. in Daytona, Florida. This is when I still lived in Israel. And I was the CEO of the company there. And I came here to try to show the conversion kit in an optic and a shooting mattress. And we were very, they were very cool to us. The guys that we came in first place, they gave me this big trophy, it was very nice. But it's an influencer group, um, mm-hmm. media thing. And I remember coming there and I, I met with some of the salespeople here and we were at this like motel hotel. And I said, okay, where are all the guns? They said, they're in my truck. I Said, yeah. no, no, but, but you're in the hotel now. How can your guns be in the truck? <laughs> no, no, we, we we store them in the truck. I said, Are you insane? You're putting a gun in a truck and you're here in this room because it is all you, you you attach it to your body, right? You're not I, your gun, your gun can't be in point A and true. you're in point B. You can't yeah. <laughs> you can't leave it in your car. Are you insane? It's really it's like it was a mind-boggling experience to me that people wow. can leave a, a a a firearm in a in a car. It's like a way. way. <laughs> Oh, so what if it gets stolen? Oh so yeah, so they stole a gun. So we get, it's like, we're so worried that if a gun gets stolen, it gets into a terrorist hand and he goes shooting up some uh some uh some Doors. soldiers or, some, or women or children, right?
0: Yeah, 100 percent No, I and I completely agree with you. When I looked at it, it absolutely made sense. When I put, when I put it in my hand, I was sold and I was kind of like And that's what I said at the beginning of this conversation is it just made so much sense. And I was kind of like, well, you know, I got to be a little bit skeptical here. So, you know, let me just, let me just, let me look into it a little more deeply before I'm just like, this is awesome. I started started looking at all the different attachments and all the different things and ways I could build it out and different missions. I could, I could build different ones out for. Um, And, and, and then, you know, the concept of the force multiplier, you know, if I have, as a professional protector, you know, I can take this into places. I can actually drop my CCW weapon, consult with your lawyers based on where you live, obviously, guys. But you can take a CCW weapon that you just drop into one of these things, and it doesn't make it another weapon in a lot of cases. Um, that was huge to learn that that was a possibility. Um, you're, not,
1: you're, not, you're not dedicating your handgun to this, right? So you can right. put it into the MCK and out of the MCK in two seconds physically right. two seconds now i'm not exaggerating when i'm saying two seconds it's, it's when right. you practice it's two seconds and, and that and then i don't need any tools i don't need any ellen keys i don't need any screwdrivers I don't, have to, I don't have to dedicate anything so i just take it from my holster i put it right in there i can throw this in my squat car you know have my my handgun next to him on my hip and then if i need to shoot farther i just put it in here and you know it's simple right. so i think the speed the, the the what it weighs the compactness the the the, the smile on the guy's face when he sees his group, you know, uh, and by the way, a lot of the recreational officers, the guys right. are protecting schools that they have these MCKs because it's also it scares people a little bit. It scares them more than having a handgun. Right. Oh, yeah. so you want to you be a deterrent. Sometimes you don't you don't want to yeah. go to battle. You don't want to kill people. It's not a good thing to do. Right. right you don't more. want to have to do that but you also you want to deter people right you want to keep if you don't want, you don't want some crazy person going into a mall or to a movie theater or to a school and shooting up anything right so if you're able to right. stand outside and have one of these and that's what we do in Israel and it it's, yes, it, it, is. it, it, it it makes them think twice you know i'm not ah, saying it's not full, it's not you can't get through and it's foolproof i'm not saying that but i'm saying that you know it's a deterrent so the recreational officers are eating these up as well, you know. Oh, so right. uh, the law enforcement here in South Florida, it just makes sense to a lot of people. So right. uh, sometimes you have we we say it's a conversion kit. We call it convert to the kit. Convert, <laughs> uh, I actually did a rap song, a a, a, oh gosh, a music video with a guy. Well, it's a, a guy named Black Ramble. Some people don't like him in the world. Oh, so some, but just, uh, and we call it commit to the kit. So commit we call, uh, hits, or, 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 so, or convert to the kid or yes. convert. So we're, we play with those words a lot. And what we've always seen, you know, the vast, vast majority of the people that either right. held this or shot with this become believers and yep. the non-believers there, the amount of them are becoming less and less and less just because more people are shooting and shooting with it. And they saw it at a range and it looked cool. And what does he got at the range? And yeah, everyone liked the range. I want to try that. And a friend tells a friend and we got families, we got fathers and mothers and sons and daughters buying them. It's like, we love this shit. We right. came out with the gen one, then we came out with the gen two. Now we're coming out with the gen three. So we're we're trying to keep it real. Every month and a half, two, we come out with a new version, a new, a new uh, version, a new right. model. We fit about 135 different handguns now, and we're trying to inc- increase that all the time. But we're also coming out with our own um, MCK rifle now, a a nine millimeter, a 10, and a two two three. And it's oh, going to be uh, an MCK firing system itself. It won't be a handgun conversion kit. It will okay. look exactly like an MCK, uh, the way it looks, but it'll be a, its own firing system. That's so hopefully, hopefully, two of those will come out this year.
0: I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah on the on the family side of things, it's uh, in terms of home defense and giving you know your loved one who's maybe not as good of a shooter as you something that they can definitely work with inside inside closed spaces. That, that's huge as well, you know, so I, I see the force multiplier kind of practical application for the weapon system, for the professionals, and also for just the protectors of the world, the the civilians, you know, um, I think that's really what drove me to join forces with you guys as well. And yeah, you're evolving quickly, man, like some of the stuff, I you guys, most of what I've seen in Israel, and then just talking with you these last few times, the practicality, And then also the real world experience, you know, it's not, you're not just like, you know, a successful businessman that's steering a company. Um, And I think that trickles down to
1: the products that we're able to enjoy as the end users. We wanted to make an affordable one and made in America. Screw this overseas China. That was the last (laughs) thing, the the price.
0: When I heard the price, I was like, ah,
1: okay, done. Give me two. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happens, to be honest, because there's no need to be greedy. There's right. no need to overprice this. When we first came out, the Ronies back then, we were charging $550. You know, people think it's going to cost between $400 and $500. And then they hear you can get it for $249 or $225 yeah. or $265 or in the low twos if you need to. Mm. Um It, it became a, a no-brainer. You know, right. I already have the handgun. Why not, I don't have to go spend money and buy an AR or buy buy this or buy that. I don't have to do anything like that. It's, as you said, force multiplier. You know, we've had people that had guns in their safe that they haven't taken out in a while. Yeah. And the the MCK brought them back to life. Like, uh, we we were blown away. Tauruses. A Taurus. I didn't know there's freaking so many Tauruses. It's an inexpensive handgun, but a shitload of people have them, I guess. Right. There was a month, I think, in either December or January that the Taurus has outsold the Glocks, and that's oh. like insanity for me, you know? And I have like yeah. eight different options for Glocks. And then there's something called a Smith & Wesson SD9. I didn't even know what a Smith & Wesson oh, yeah. SD9 was. So, so yeah. these guys are taking them out of their safes and dusting them off the cobwebs and putting them into the MCKs, and we brought these, this stuff back to life. A lot of people don't yeah. even know we do stuff that's not Glock-related. So the, right. the Taurus is insanity. The amount of <laughs> MCKs. I, and I rem, I rem, We have a big distributor called Sports South. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we sell in all the major distributors, but Sports South is probably one of our bigger. Mm-hmm. And we tell them, you got to take this Taurus. They say, Taurus? Mikey, you know, shut I up. Think, you, know, we, we, you know what you're talking about, but what are you talking about? I said, listen to me, you m- idiots. You take, <laughs> take 20, take 20. And I promise you when yeah. they hit your shelves, I promise you the next day they're not there. I get an order from Sports South every week. There hasn't been one order in my since I got them to do this maybe three months ago that yeah. they have not ordered torsos. They just <laughs> keep on. It's not just me on my website; it's just everybody. Right. You know, you go to the gun shows, our MCKs. You go to a gun show in America. I would bet seventy-five out of hundred. You'll you'll see an MCK there. It just just is I, I, it money. just took over. It just Part it, it just period. went it just went viral. <laughs> we did two hundred and fifty million views on social media on platforms that we used to have like facebook and that yeah, 250 right. million views created uh, noise and and then people come oh i saw that even at the great outdoor show in harrisburg two weeks ago at yes. the nra show yep. some of them don't know what it's called they don't know what's called an mck they but sometimes mix listen. it up and call it something else but i saw that somewhere i've seen that i've seen that somewhere you know the, in their brain in the psyche people have seen it there are some people by the way that still have never seen it Right. And they've never seen a handgun conversion kit, which pisses me off. And that means we're not doing a good enough job of marketing, but, <laughs> but 99.9% of America has not bought an MCK that can So we yeah. haven't scratched the surface yet, even though we've been very fortunate. Thank God.
0: Well, I mean, uh, the same thing happened to me. I had a Glock that's just been sitting back in the you know in the safe. And I'm like, hey, you know. Um, I mean, you just, you're onto the next one. You're onto the new thing. And then I got my unit and it's like, it's like I have a brand new gun. It's a completely different gun. It's a completely different experience. It's a completely different everything. I've been running around running my Glock all the time now, you know, with this thing on it. So that's um that's I'm glad
1: how you enjoy it because we just wanted to make shooting more fun. You know, yeah. force multiplier is great at being tactical and being better shooters, but we just wanted to make it more fun. We yeah. figure if people like shooting more, they're gonna bring more people into it. And then we'll get more people uh, supporting the Second Amendment guys and people more into supporting this, I think. And, and it will keep America sure. even safer. You know, uh, sometimes we see criminals using our product, which sucks. But it, it that happens as well. You know, so uh, it's out there. So. Outstanding.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the tool is a tool kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. The more people, uh, you know, a dangerous society is a polite society. The more people who are armed and capable, uh, the better off we'll be for sure. MCK. This has been this is amazing. Uh, the background that you bring to you, the product is awesome. What would you say uh, is next? Can you talk a little bit about the Gen 3s and what's next? Sure.
1: Or? sure, sure, sure. Yes, sir. Well, we, there, there are two major things that we, we spoke about a little bit. We have the new models coming out. So we have the Ruger American Series, full size 9 and 45 and compact 9 and 45. Those should be out probably in a month to a month and a half. Uh, the Zigzawer X series should be right behind that. And then we're coming out with the Koenig, uh, TP nine and the HK VP nine. Those should be out probably in the next seven to eight months. So okay. those four, those four are the, the, the new models coming out now regarding the MCK gen three, mm-hmm. I think to be uh, realistic, we're probably two and a half months out. Okay. So the, the gen three is a, is a different animal. If you have an RMR on your handgun, if you have a red dot uh, optic, a small optic on your handgun, you could not use our handgun conversion kit. You could not use the MCK. Right. And that world in America is growing and more people are going with handguns with optics. Mm -hmm. So in our Gen 3, we allow you, you can keep your hand, your optic on your handgun. You don't have to take it off like you did with the Gen 1s and Gen 2s to insert it inside your handgun into the chassis. Nice. And because we thought, okay, if I'm allowing you to put it in, maybe I can find a way to allow you to use it while it's in. Right. So we built we built a system in the stock stabilizer area. There's a Picatinny rail in the rear that's going up and down Picatinny. Yes. And you can lower your stock stabilizer to, there's a top floor and a bottom floor. Yep. And, the, and the bottom floor then allows you to see through the optic that's on your slide and to shoot with the MCK. So I don't need a new optic. I don't want to zero anything anymore. It's already zeroed on my on my handgun, right. and I can actually use that optic. So I save you the need of putting an additional red dot on the, on the MCK. Wow. We also build a car wash system inside, mm. and there's some carbon buildup on your handgun on the edge of the slide when you pull it out of the MCK. And so we build brushes on the right and on the left that when the slide goes back and forth while it's shooting, it's rubbing against the bristles, which is basically cleaning the carbine carbon from your from your uh, front of your slide. So, uh, like, uh, I woke up in the morning with that idea. It was a little car wash idea. Um, and the the stabilizer stock folds both righty and lefty. We kind of mm-hmm. we kind of didn't take care of the left handed guys enough, so um, we made the stabilizer stock fold uh, left and to the right. And the charging handle itself, we had to redo it because the real estate is now. normally sat on top of the slide now that there's an rmr there i lost the real estate so we're using that rear butt plate of the glock you're taking that out you're putting in another one and you're going to be using a new gen 3 charging handle that can live on a handgun while the uh, optic is on it and the that gen 3 charging handle can also go back to the previous versions into the gen 2 and the gen 1 mck's and that should be out next week so next friday uh, should be the release of the new charging handle, Nice. and uh, yeah, so we've, we're selling that separately on the on the website. Uh, it's an MCK Gen Three charging handle, and right. it and it's uh, it's just a more stable charging handle. But this one you have to screw into the body. So right. in this situation, and I have to be honest here, you are dedicating your handgun in a way uh, that the rear piece, the rear butt plate, you have to switch, but you can put it in your holster like that. But once you put into the MCK, you have to come from the side and connect the charging handle so you're able to cock and, and manage the handgun when it's inside the chassis. So that right. takes about, I don't know, two to three seconds. Yeah. So, yes. um, but so that's that's, our, that's the new generation coming out, the MCK Gen 3. And then obviously we have the agada coming out and and then the, the rifle systems that I haven't named yet. I haven't given them a name. I have to yeah. start thinking about that.
0: Outstanding. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And honestly, I. Um, my little Glock that was just my Glock 19 that was living in my safe is pretty much dedicated to my MCK now. I've got I've got I've got it in a nice little like uh, 511 LV10 bag. Um, I've got the extra mags. I've got it all set up. I've got a little body armor behind it. You guys have seen the review by now. If you haven't, go check it out. It was,
1: it was awesome. You did a great job.
0: Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. It's just It just makes so much sense uh, for so many people. Man. I, was, I wanted to get that out. So, so much more good stuff coming. And when I saw the Gen 3 at SHOT show, I instantly was like, awesome. I can drop my optic in here. I can sit this thing up a little bit higher and I can just run with what I got. And I, actually,
1: that caught my eye very quickly when I was at your guys' booth. We're trying to evolve. We we don't want to be stationary. You, you're stationary, you're dead. So no, <laughs> we're, 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 we're trying to keep it coming. And, and to be honest, we're listening to our guys because huh? our customer base is the reason we exist. So without them, uh, you know, they're not non-intelligent people. These guys are the when we want to do a new product, we ask them, should we do yeah. this or should we do this? We we actually listen to them because they know better than we do. Right. So uh, we we and we screw up sometimes we mm-hmm. screw up on customer service. Sometimes we screw up on R&D. Sometimes we're far from being perfect. You know, mm-hmm. we've had our mess ups and we've done uh, stuff that we shouldn't have done. And we just have to make things right. You know, so um, we've been very lucky that we've done a lot more good than bad. Yeah. Uh, but there is a lot of room for improvement and we have to strive. I have to strive to be a better father and husband and uh, and friend as well. It's not just a better CEO and a better businessman. So you know, owning this company is a big deal for me. It's uh it's a big part of what I am, um, and uh, we enjoy. I yeah, we have passion for this, you know. And if you can have passion for what you do, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm gonna do it and um, ride the wave, as we say. We just ride sure. the wave.
0: No, one hundred percent. And then one last, and we've got closing questions after this. But one last experience I have already had with mine was. I was doing some training the last 72 hours with a bunch of tier one assets, tier one operators. And, um, you know, we, we bring our weapons out, we bring all our stuff, and we're all kitted up. And, you know, the butt sniffing's going on, and everyone's kind of looking at what everyone's got. And I roll over this MCK, which I think looks awesome. It looks like a futuristic, like, what is that? And everyone's like walking over, like, sniffing it out. Like, what is this thing? Like, what, 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 what do you got? Like, what are we doing? And I explain it to them you know, within the EP mission and how it fits in and kind of the advantages and pretty much everyone was sitting there like, man, that's pretty sweet. They're like, this is, this is pretty cool. Check this guy's gun out. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's just a clock, you know, it's just a clock I threw inside of a micro conversion kit, you know, no big deal. But it was, it was really cool to see everyone be like, that makes sense. You know, so I was handing it around, guys were checking it out. So that that, um, yeah, man, it's definitely something if you guys haven't checked it out, you got to. It's good stuff. Um, So thank you so much. Uh, this has been awesome already. Thank you. A few, let's see here. Favorite quote, favorite mantra,
1: sir? Interesting. Um, I haven't been asked that question. I always say if God had not existed, it would have been necessary to invent it. There's an old philosopher in France, Voltaire was his name, Yes. And and I love that sentence, if God had not exist, because there are times that our strength is not enough and we need something higher than us, you know, something bigger yep. than us. So whether we believe or not, whether we believe a little bit, don't believe, I'm not really, very much a practice practicing Jew at all. I'm not very religious at all, probably right. the other side of religion, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But believing that there's a higher power than you, that you're not the best, that there's something bigger than you. Uh, it may make you leave a better imprint in life, you know, uh, make people's lives better. Outstanding,
0: that's good, man. I love it. All good stuff. And I've definitely had to ask for help multiple occasions. <laughs>
1: um, I swear,
0: feel? I'll never do this again. <laughs> Please, just get me out this time, anyway.
1: Um, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. I, I've said that my 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 wife unfortunately was was diagnosed with uh, with breast cancer about a year ago. Wow. and That's and she's just... young you know relatively for breast cancer she's uh, 47 Mm-hmm. And uh, it caught us off guard. We weren't, weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a time where you get closer to God real quick. You get closer like to that. your wife. You get closer yeah. to your wife, but you get closer to God. Because now you're talking about shit you can't control, man. You give yeah. me a gun. You give me a target. I'll deal with it, right? Yeah. Uh, this, this stuff is you know way above my pay grade. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, and thank God you know we caught it early. And she did the operations. And she did the radiations. And she did everything she needed to do and she'll still taking the stuff that you need to do now and thank god she's she's past that so it, okay. it does break it does make the family core stronger it right. could break some i would assume but i would say most it makes stronger and uh she's a big trooper she's the the, the tough one in the house i'm, I'm not the tough one okay. and uh so there there's a there's a god in your life when you need him, you know so yeah. um that's a special thing about about god go ahead i'm sorry Went off yeah, changed. no, that was that was
0: great. That was outstanding. That was good stuff. The uh, let's see, a habit uh, that you think people should consider integrating into their lives to be a better protector or just a better person. Habits are important.
1: You know, there the, the self awareness is always important. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds cliche ish, but you know, we try to go into a restaurant and have our face towards the door, try right. not having your back towards the door. This simple stuff. Yeah. Um, but but I think but I think just being thankful to people, you know, I took my son on Sunday to Walmart uh, uh, Sunday before mm-hmm. and we he's 11. Nicest kid in the world. You know, he's a pain in the ass, but nice kid. Right. And uh, and we had our birds in the bee talk in the pool. So I telling about women and the biology side of it. You know, he doesn't know this stuff yet. He's, uh, he's a young 11, by the way. Okay. And uh, he's probably 11 going on eight. So, uh, and and I'm hugging him during the pool and yeah. like talking to his ear. So I'm not looking at him, I'm hugging him. And yeah. we did it for about an hour and a half in the pool. That sounds it was, like heaven. It was, it was awesome, by the way. Yeah. But I said to him, I want to go do a social experiment with you. And he said, what? I said, come, you're coming with me. I want to teach you about being nice so we go to walmart and i said okay i want you to film this on a video and i'm gonna get a piece of chocolate like a a hershey bar at a hershey bar yeah and i'm gonna go behind someone and if that person says coming before me because you only have one item i'm gonna buy that guy's groceries yeah that's a lot of people have done this on social media i've never done it i've never (laughs) done anything like that so we go to walmart and got we got unlucky they were extremely efficient at walmart for the first time in my life and the first and time ever so it, oh, it's sunday at 5 p.m yeah and there just was, wasn't enough foot traffic it was it was, on, it was on flamingo and here in south florida and they had five open open registers so every time someone would come they would immediately get their stuff and it would start running on the uh, conveyor belt. I yeah. couldn't get a line. I needed a line. So you couldn't get two people because you had three, four people at one time max and they all had their own line. I'm saying like, this is sucks. So we're staying in waiting and waiting. <laughs> the first and he time said, in max, Walmart he, history. He said, and he <laughs> says, Daddy, just just go offer to buy them the groceries. I said, nope, they have to do something nice. If they don't yeah. do something nice, I'm not buying it. And I said, maybe we'll get lucky. We'll get an old person. You know, you always want to help the old people more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we see this lady with a big ass uh, uh all right. What a uh, pushy thing, yeah. Yeah, no, whatever they are called the uh, stuff you put your food in. My English sucks, and um, and I go to her. I didn't say anything. I stood behind her. I didn't say hello. I didn't introduce myself. She looked. And she said, "Would you like to go before me? You can go still- before me." And I said, "Awesome!" You know, finally. You know, we must have been there forty minutes. So <laughs> I said, "I said no, thank you, but I want to buy your groceries." And she said, "You're not going to do that. you no, You don't need to do that." I said, "I want to do that." Are you? Are you serious? And I said, "Yeah." But there's a lot of groceries in, in this cart, and yeah. I said, "No, no, it's it's, uh, it's it's okay. I got it. I got it." Right. And she started tearing up, and it was like I don't know, 170 bucks. It wasn't that big deal, right? But and she hugged me, right? And she must have been 75 years old, you know, this wow. lady. by the way, wearing a mask. I'm, I'm not all, but <laughs> but you <Anyone's like>, <laughs> we don't wear a mask in Florida. So right, in right. any case, the uh, my son's you know filming this on video, mm-hmm. and and for some idiotic reason, I kept the receipt. I don't know why I put it in my wallet. I don't, was I don't know because I was, because I was most- paying for it because I put my credit card there. I don't know, it was stupid. I didn't yeah. think, and I'm I'm a thinker, that's my thing. She's yes. walking out of Walmart with the with the cart, and secu- <laughs> the security guy in the front by the gate says, uh, "Where's your where's your thing?" He's like, "Stole uh, the groceries," you know. Oh, so I God. start running across Walmart like a freaking um, idiot with the with the with the invoice, with the receipt in my hands. I'm going to give it to her, but I got another hug so yeah uh,
0: that's awesome <laughs> nothing's perfect but do nice things it's powerful do nice things
1: that's a powerful thing
0: it is it's extremely powerful
1: wow simple things hold the door open for somebody say yeah. thank you say thank you to somebody smile at somebody yeah. you know let a guy come go into a lane you know yeah. you're so aggressive on the on the on the street i find myself being aggressive i want to shoot people while i'm driving home you know it's just <laughs> a scary thing you know yeah so, so. um yeah you know,
0: That's awesome, man. It's powerful stuff. And it'll just, it'll really beautify even the life of the giver, that whole, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's like, it's actually, when you really start playing the game, you really start being like, wow, you know, the, my ability to do this is huge. Even like you're talking about bringing on new employees and things like that, being able to provide something that can provide for people like this is, these things are, are really high level, high value things in my opinion. So awesome, sir. Thank you so much for your time, attention, your influence, your work product, you know, what you're really creating and putting in the hands of good people. Um, uh, It's been awesome to speak with you and um, to be part of this work. I'm looking forward
1: to everything. It was truly my pleasure. Just keep up the work. You're doing great work and just enjoy, be safe. And we're always here and uh, enjoyed our conversation. Outstanding.
0: Thanks again, sir. We will talk soon. Be good, man. Be safe. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Boom. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom, and to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what